You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. For those who are new and those who are just joining us or those who haven't been here in a while, for the month of February, we've been talking about how to improve your love walk. How can I improve my love walk? That when I interact with people out in the world, how can I improve that love walk. The scripture that we were basing this sermon series off is when Jesus is talking his, to his disciples, and the scripture we'll put up is John 13, verses 34 and 35 is what we've based the whole sermon series on. Starting in verse 34, Jesus is speaking, a brand new commandment I give to you disciples, that you love one another as I have loved you. The reason it's a new commandment is no one has seen how Jesus loved until he showed up on the earth and started showing his love. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So as I go out into this earth, how will people know that I am a disciple, I am a follower of Christ, I am a Jesus lover? Is it because I'm wearing a church t-shirt that says Press Church? Is it because I'm carrying a Bible around? Is it doing... Yes, those can help, but the main thing that will show people you are a disciple of Christ is how you love others. And how do I love others is the same way that I see that Jesus loved. How do I see that Jesus loved if I'm not diving into the scriptures and reading and seeing how he loved people? We talked about in the first week that in order for us to improve our love walk, we first, the very first thing we had to do was receive the love of God. We had to receive his love in our own lives before we could give out that love to other people. We had to experience it. We had to become saved. We had to uh, give our hearts to God. We have to experience his love. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. It first starts with us receiving his love. Then the next week we talked about love in our speech. That as we walk around here in life, we see that our speech in humanity has gotten worse over time. It's not love-filled. It seems to be hate-filled. It seems to be that we want to discourage, denigrate, talk down to, make ourselves feel better in our speech when we're talking with somebody instead of loving through our speech. So we're encouraged to encounter people and to speak with love speech. The second thing we talked about last week was love in action. How can I love in my actions? How can I go out there and show people what I'm doing? The scripture that I talked about was 1 Corinthians 13. We went through the whole chapter, talked about 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter where it showed us that love is patient, love is kind, love never fails. Some big things that love does that I need to incorporate into my life. And the last thing that we're going to talk about this week is love in relationships. Love in relationships. What relationships should I be loving in? How can I love in those relationships? There was a man in Kansas a couple years back, maybe you heard of him, by the name of Lawrence Ripple. He was 70 years old. He had a wife living at home, been married for a long time, and one day he got tired of his wife, and he walked over to his kitchen table, and he sat down, and he told his wife, I'm writing a note. 
She said, what note are you writing? And he says, I'm going to go rob a bank because I would rather live the rest of my life in jail than live with you. He writes this note, walks to the nearest bank, hands the note to a teller and says, I have a gun in my pocket, give me all your money. He gets $3,000 from the bank teller, gets the money, walks to the front of the bank to where the security guard is and says, I am the guy who just robbed the bank, call the cops. And he sat down and waited for the cops to show up. Cops showed up. They arrest him. He gives the money back. They find out he has a pair of nail clippers and a wallet. He doesn't have a gun. And he starts the court process. Last year, he finished out going through court. And he came out and said that he had heart surgery recently. He was on a new type of medication. And he wasn't thinking clearly. And he apologized and apologized to the bank people. And he could have gone to jail for 30 years to spend the rest of his life at 70 years old. But the judge had mercy on him and gave him six months of home confinement <laughs> to work out his sentence. This story right here is a microcosm of the relationships in our lives that we have, that this man was so fed up with his wife that he would rather rob a bank, live the rest of his life in jail, than spend with her, that we need some help in our relationships. We need to add some love to our relationship. The first relationship that we need to focus on, we need to work on loving, is loving God, for one. We need to work on our relationship with loving God. Let's see how Jesus talked about it in Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the last verse we're sitting on, On these two commandments hang all the law, and the prophets. Let's go back to verse 37 where Jesus makes this statement. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That's a full-time job just right there. That Jesus puts at the very top of all of the commandments that are out there, the priority of loving God, number one, and loving him with everything that you have, with everything that you can give, with every desire, with every dream, with every thought, should be centered around loving him. Because as we read the Bible, as we read the scriptures, we see that as we seek him, it says in the scriptures, we'll find him. It says, if you knock, the door will be opened. If you ask, you shall receive. That we make it a priority in our lives to, number one, love God and love the relationship with Him. That God creates this earth, and He puts Adam and Eve on this earth, and He comes down, it says in Genesis, at the cool of the day to spend time with Adam and Eve. 
I've talked about this before. If I'm God, thank God that I'm not, but if I'm God, I'm going to stay up in heaven. I'm going to build a really tall ladder or an elevator for Adam and Eve to come visit me because I'm sitting on a throne. I've probably got a really nice TV, really comfortable sofas. I've got angels singing. I've got great food. I'm up in heaven doing my thing, managing the universe, and I've got two lowly humans, Adam and Eve. Y'all come up and see me, but that's not God, and that's not his desire for a relationship with you and for humanity. God comes down to earth to visit them, just two humans, takes time out of all the universe, out of all eternity to spend time with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sin and therefore separate and mess up this beautiful plan that God has. So therefore God has the idea, well I used to come down and take care of Adam and Eve. What I'm going to do is send my son down to take care of this relationship. So then Jesus shows up in the flesh for 33 years and he walks the earth. He does these miracles. He gets friends and family. He does all these things and he dies on a cross for humanity. And then Jesus says, it's not good that I stay here on earth in the flesh because I'm only one human, I'm only one person, I can't be all places at once. So I'm going to go back up to heaven with God. And you know what? God said, I've got a great idea. I've got a third part of me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit down. God is constantly trying to get to you. He's constantly trying to find a way to have a relationship with you that now when we ask Jesus into our heart, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. That now everywhere I go, God goes with me. The first thing that we need to do in loving relationships is focus on our love with God and time with Him. That we devote all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind to loving God. The second relationship that you need to focus your love on is loving yourself. Loving yourself. Psalms 139 verses 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Verse 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. Suicide is now one of the top ten leading causes of death. Right along up there with cancer and heart disease. In 2018, the stats that I read showed that almost 50,000, 48,000 and some change people in America committed suicide in 2018. You break that math down some more, that's almost 130 people a day that are saying, my life is not worth living. My life is not valuable to anybody else here. We obviously have a problem with people learning to love themselves. When Jesus shows us, and the scriptures show us in Psalms 139, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God did not make a mistake when he made you. Yes, we might have made mistakes as we walk through life, but those mistakes can be covered. Because Jesus died for all sins. 
He died for all people. And as we walk out our love with God and we learn our identity of who we are in Christ, then we understand who our identity is in life. The modern culture now is telling you to get to know yourself. Find out who you are and then live your best life. Search yourself and find out who you are. And you can be whatever you want to be. But the problem with that is that what you need to do is first love God and find out who you are in Christ. And then you find out who you are in yourself. People bypass that and they say, well, I want to find out who I am. I'm going to go live my best life. I don't care who it affects or what it does. And it says that the wages of sin is death. That as we try to find out who we are in our heart, it says that our heart, our mind is deceitfully wicked. If you go dive deep enough in there without Jesus, you're going to find some pretty dark things. And it's why we have evil rampant throughout the world. It's all right, it's just the kids up there. Maybe large rats, I don't know, but we're praying, (laughs) we're praying it's kids. (laughs) Look at Jesus in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him being Jesus all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and be healed by him of their infirmities. Verse 16, so he himself, Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Imagine the craziness of Jesus' life at this time. At his peak ministry time, if you heard... That there is one person in the whole world that can heal you of whatever disease that is killing people all around you. You would do whatever you could to get to him. Jesus in this time, everywhere he goes, every town that he walks in, every place that he steps, draws a massive crowd and he's preaching nonstop. He's healing nonstop. Miracles and signs and wonders are happening non-stop. There's people that are flocking to him. There are the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are trying to trip him up, who are trying to kill him, who are trying to destroy him. There are people who are just interested because there wasn't TV, and this was the greatest reality TV show at the time, so let's go see what Jesus is doing. Imagine the hecticness of Jesus' life, and he made it a priority, we see in verse 16, that he often withdrew himself from the craziness and the busyness of life and spent time with God, spent time with himself, and just prayed. It's something that we can learn so much in loving ourselves in this relationship. Sometimes I've got to get away from the craziness. Sometimes I've got to get away from the noise. Sometimes I've got to get away from those things. A lot of times for me, mine is just going to take a shower. I'm just going to go take a shower. I'm getting stressed out if work is intense, if the family and the babies are going crazy. We calm the babies down first. And then I go take a shower. Something about turning that water as hot as you can just letting that water drain over you. 
and all the stress just goes down the drain, but it's also a time that I talk to and hear God the most. A lot of times before I even do any sermon prep, I'll go take a shower. I'll just be still and know that He is God, like the Scriptures say. I'll just talk with Him, pray with Him. I can say whatever I want in the shower. There's nobody else in there. Unless the kids wake up and then they're in there. And I can just pull away from everything for a split second and take some time. And I want to encourage you, yourself, take some time when you're driving to work, driving home from work, when the house is empty and it's just you, take some time. Pull away from everything, pray, and heal up yourself with God. Amen? Love yourself. The next one we have is loving our family. Yikes. Love our family. 1 Peter 1.22 Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. I don't know about you, but before I was born, I don't remember God coming to me and saying, hey, what family would you like to be a part of? A rich one? Would you like to be a, a part of like a king and queen, be, be a prince? Would you like to be born into some money? Would you like to be born into the streets, abandoned at a young age? Yeah, God, I'll take that one. Thank you. Can't wait. We didn't get to choose who our family was. I was born into the family of the Land family. Kevin and Edie Land, August 28th, 1986. Just showed up. Hey, guys. They raised me. They did a pretty good job. Mainly because they beat me a lot. I, I, was, I was a bad kid. I was... <laughs> I was a middle child. When I was younger, and, and I don't know what it was in my mind, and, and uh, maybe I need to go see a therapist about it, um, but when I was younger, I don't remember how young, uh, me and my brother shared a room, and there was this period where I would, uh, we'd turn off the lights, we'd go to bed, I would wake up, couldn't go to sleep, and I would grab my brother, my older brother, and all his covers, and I would pull him out the bed. Every night, I would grab his mattress, and I would fling it off the box spring, and then I would run, jump back in bed, put the covers over me, and pretend like I was asleep. I don't know how long this happened, uh, but I did, it, I did it quite a lot. And mom and dad would come in, my brother would be disheveled, uh, everything would be everywhere, and I would be just angel sleeping. Uh, and I got spanked every night for that. Uh, for It felt like a year or two. Um, Hopefully it was just a week, but I think it probably went on longer than that. And I would get spanked, and then I would go to bed. It was like, it was like my Benadryl. It was, uh, it, it was like my teddy bear. I don't know. It was comforting. Uh, but I, I would get beat, and then I would go to bed. I would go to sleep. Um, and so that's what kind of kid I was. Uh, so pray for my parents um, that they survived their sanity. But we need to learn to love our family. Some of us didn't grow up in the greatest of families. I'm sorry for that. 
sorry for what your parents have done. I'm sorry for what your kids have done to you, what you being a kid did to your parents. And one of the biggest things that you can do when it comes to loving your family is forgiving your family. Not saying that they're right in what they did, but something so simple of saying, I forgive you, can release you to walk into loving yourself and experiencing the love that God has for you. You might not have had a great family, you might not have had a great father, but now the scripture says we can call God Abba Father. We can call Him Abba Father. So I want to encourage you as you love your family to forgive your family because they're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But walk through that love. And if you didn't have the greatest of families, I want to show you this. I love this scripture. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11. For both he, he being capitalized, talking about Jesus, who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, that's us, are all of one. For which reason he, being Jesus, praise God, is not ashamed to call you brethren. There are probably some people in your family that when somebody says, hey, aren't you kin to so-and-so? You say, "Uh, yeah, yeah, Um, but not my blood. Uh, It's by distant marriage. Uh, Third cousin removed. I'm not. That there are people in that... We don't want to be seen with them. We don't want to relate with them. They've, they've made some mistakes. They've, they've messed up, and you've always got to, well, you know, they, they got dropped on their head when they were a kid, and, 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 and that's what caused that. Or We've always got to make excuses for our parents or for our kids. But this right here, Jesus is saying, he's the one who sanctified you, and the ones being sanctified, us, are all of one. They look the same. And it says, because of that, Jesus is not ashamed, oh, thank you, Jesus, to call you a part of his family. Your family might be ashamed to call you that, but God himself is not ashamed of you today. So if you don't have the greatest family out there, just know you have the greatest family in here and up in heaven. I've done some bonehead things, but God is still not ashamed Call me a part of his family. Let's move on. we got a couple left, and we're almost done. Love your friends, number four. How to improve your love walk, some relationships that we can work on improving, is loving our friends. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all time, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. Being in ministry, I've been in ministry for almost 10 years now, served at about four different churches, moved from Dallas to Louisiana to Dallas, now to South Carolina. I have a lot of acquaintances, I have a lot of people that I've known and met throughout the years, but in ministry it's it's kind of a challenge to have close friends. It's just part of the job. It's just part of the gig. 
And when you have the opportunity to have close friends, people that you can talk to, that you can bear your soul, that you can cry in front of, that can love you, that can tell you the truth, that can bring some correction to you, are very rare and hard to find, whether you're in ministry or not. And when we find those friends, when we find those people, that we learned to hold them close, to hold them dear. Because a friend loves at all times. That my pastor in Dallas is a friend that I can call at any time and talk with him about the good, bad, and ugly. Pastor was there when Noah was born. Pastor has been there through the good times and the bad times. Not just because he's my pastor, but because he's a close friend. We have some friends that we met in Bible school, me and my wife, Fernando and Faith. We worked together and we got married around the same time. He lives in California. He did it reverse. I had a son and then I had a daughter. He had a daughter and now he has a son. He's been in ministry for about the same time as me. and We can call each other and pick up right where we left off and we can talk to each other. We've been through some good times. We've been through some bad times. He's, we've been in our houses and we've cried together and we've hugged together and we love together. That a friend loves at all times. That I can go and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm having issues with. And them don't say, get away from me. God, you're disgusting. How dare you? So ugly what you just said. That you can have people in your lives, those close friends, that can build you up, that can encourage you, that can love you through the thick and the thin. A friend loves at all times. That one, we have those friends, but two, we also be that type of friend. Look at Romans 12, 9 and 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. Well, I've got to work on my love walk right there. That, that, that sentence right there encourages me that I need some improvement in my life. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. In honor giving preference to one another that we don't use our friends as stepping stones to get where we want to get. But we honor each other and we help each other out. We bring each other up. That's why this church and the community of church and the congregation is so important. That I can talk and interact with people here. And there's things that I'm deficient in in my life that you're a pro at. Not just talking in spiritual things, but physical things as well. I can come here and ask somebody, hey, do you know a mechanic? Do you know somebody who's hiring? Do you know this? Do you know that? That we can help build each other all up together. I'm not trying to step on you and step over you to get where I want to go because a friend loves at all times. Let me help you. Let me encourage you. Let me show you some things. Teach you some things. We have two things left and I'm done. Love the unlovable. Love the unlovable. It's a shame that that term even exists. But there are groups of people, there are 
people out there that you yourself or humanity itself has deemed as unlovable. Well, you don't know what they did. Do you know what they do out there? Let's look how Jesus loved the unlovable. Mark chapter 2, story starts in verse 15. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners, these were the unlovables of the time, also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many and they followed him. Verse 16. And when the scribes and Pharisees, the religious people of the time, saw him eating with the unlovables, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with the unlovables? How can he do that? Jesus, hearing that, said, don't worry, disciples, I've got the answer. Those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. You see, Jesus made it a habit throughout his three years of ministry on loving on the unlovables that nobody else wanted to talk to, that nobody else deemed were worthy. Remember, the tax collectors at the time were Jewish people that were going and taxing the Jewish people to bring money back to the Romans. So if the taxes for the Romans was $10, these tax collectors would come to you and say, hey, you owe $15. I'll bring 10 to the Romans, and I'll take five of yours. So all the Jewish people hated the tax collectors because you are a Jew, and you're taking money from your people to give to the people who are enslaving us. And not only that, you're skimming money off the top. Yikes. That'd be... Hard to hang out with that guy. And Jesus goes and hangs out with them. There was a group of people that were known as sinners. That was the name of their group. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to hang out with the sinners, just have a good time, see what happens. Probably read the Bible or something. They're called sinners. I don't think that's what they're going to do. Jesus made it a habit of going to eat with them, spend time with him. Every time that he had an opportunity to save a tax collector, he was doing it. Every time he had an opportunity to put his hands on the lepers who were unclean that weren't supposed to be touched, he was doing it. Every time he had the opportunity when they bring the woman in the middle of adultery, throw her down at his feet, he makes sure to find time to love on her. He's dying on the cross. There is a thief on the cross right next to him who has no business Asking Jesus for mercy. Asking Jesus for grace. He has no business to do that. He says, hey Jesus, I've never hang out with you. I've never gone to your church. I've never given money. I've never read your Bible. I've never done anything. But remember me in paradise before we die. Jesus has the perfect opportunity to tear down an unlovable right there. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise didn't acknowledge that thief's sin, didn't acknowledge that he'd never been in church before, didn't acknowledge any of that, just loved him and said, you'll be with me in paradise today. We could learn from Jesus on how to love the unlovables. And the last part, the last relationship that we have is to love your enemies. We've gone the full gambit on the scale of loving relationships. Love God Love yourself, love your family, love your friends, 
love the unlovables. And here we are landing the plane in loving your enemies. That we as humans, we, we don't all get along. We have different personalities. We grew up in different places at different times. We believe different things inside and outside the church. How do I interact with these enemies? Jesus says it here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies. But God, what? you don't know what they did to me. Well, actually, I do know what they did to you. Love your enemies. But God, they hate me. I, yeah, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I'm going to be honest, that scripture, <laughs> wish I didn't read that one, huh? Now I'm held accountable to that. Verse 45, that you may be the sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Love your enemies. Romans 12, 17 and 18 encourages us. Paul writes, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if it is possible, if it is possible, you've done everything that you can do, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. If you've done everything that you can do, my pastors always tell me that if you're walking from a relationship and that bridge is on fire, and that bridge is about to be burned, make sure you throw as much water as you can as you cross that bridge to try and save and repair that relationship. Life is too short. Life is too short for you to hate me and for me to hate you. Because of your religious beliefs, because of the color of your skin, because of the amount that's in your bank account, because of where you live or where you don't live, because of what you've done to my family, what my family's done to your family, falls back into loving your family. Learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. Do whatever you can to make peace with those people who you deem your enemies. Do everything you can and live peaceably among men. How to improve your love, walk, and relationships. Start with loving God. Learn to love yourself. Learn and walk to learn to love and forgive your family. Learn to be a friend and cherish those friendships. Learn to love the unlovables when you see them. Learn to love your enemies. As we finish the sermon series, John 13, 34-35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. But this, all will know you are my disciple if you have love for one another. And if you haven't learned anything at all, and you say, I haven't learned one thing from this sermon series, let's look at this last scripture that's on there, 1 Corinthians, do I have it, did they put it on there? We talked about it last week, 16 through 14, let all that you do be done with love. How to improve your love walk, first receive the love of God in your own life. Number two, Let's start loving in our speech. Number three, let's start loving in our actions. And number four, let's love in our relationships. 
And if you didn't listen and you slept through the whole thing, just we'll sum it all up here, right here. Let all that you do be done with love. Amen? Let's stand up today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your wonderful, wonderful word. It washes us. It cleanses us. It corrects us. It encourages us. It loves us. It teaches us. And Father, we receive your word today. The word that has gone forth into our lives is planted like a seed in our heart, Father. And we ask that it bear fruit in our heart, Father, so that we learn to love as we go forward. As we end this sermon series, we look through a different lens in our life as we experience humanity, and that is a lens of love, just as you loved, that while we were still sinners, you died for us, that God so loved the world that you sent your son for us. Father, teach us how everything that we do can be operated in and through love because ultimately we know that your scripture says God is love. And when we show love, we show God to everyone we come in contact with. And when we show that love of God to people, we are your disciples. We can be assured in our relationship with you as we show our love to others. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that we will improve our love walk, that you have shown us for this last month, Father, something that we can do to improve our love walk as we go out and experience this world. Father, I thank you for these people right now, and we pray scripture and blessing over each and every person here, that Father, right now, they have the mind of Christ, Father, that right now, their body is the temple of the Most High God. Father, right now, the scripture says that by Jesus' stripes, they are already healed, Father, it says in your word that you sent your word and it healed our bodies. Father, I thank you that everyone here right now is the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now and they are blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. Father, I thank you that they are, call they are called to prosper in all things, even in their health and as their soul prospers. Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to must prosper in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that your word tells us that we are the salt and light of the earth. We are a city set on a hill, and we refuse to. Father, help us use this love walk to go out and speak love to people out in a hurting and dying world. That we call this region, we call this city, we call this area for Jesus Christ. That Press Church be a church full of people and full of the light of the world, of the gospel of Christ, to go out and share that gospel. That Christ died for their sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and that he rose again the third day. And that we will overcome the devil and the world by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So Father, help us use that testimony testimony in the blood of the lamb this week in jesus name amen god bless you we love you we'll see y'all thank you for listening to press church podcast if you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org don't forget to follow us on social media at press church sc and have a great week